Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Mike Randall here with you. Gus Kearns joining me as well. As always, Gus, this college basketball weekend could be entitled Upsets Galore, correct? Galore. Uh, it, it could be, yeah, it could be, uh, it could be titled many different things, but you know what it is? It's just unbelievably exciting. The fact that we had this many upsets by top-ranked teams with, you know, lower-ranked teams that are not even on, like, anybody's radar. They're not They're not on, like, a bubble list. They're not on, on preseason previews. And bam! Man, this this thing is rolling out. We need to get to these games right away. We need to give the people what they want. We need to we need we need to get dive into these and let the people know what we're thinking about. What in the world happened the past three days in college basketball? I'm trying to work the phrase up the yin yang into my vernacular <laughs> as much as possible. So can yeah. I say that we had y- upsets up the yin yang this week? Yeah, weekend? we can do that. All we right. can do that. Yes. What do we got? Talk to me here. What do we got, Goose? Okay. <laughs> All right, listen, Maverick. Um, <laughs> let's, you know, how about we just start with the slate from Saturday? Because the slate Saturday was like massive amount of so good. of basketball. Con- uh, it's a basketball conglomerate of 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 great cornucopia, a basketball cornucopia, if you will. Uh, yeah, I think we can do that since we just passed Thanksgiving. I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> do you want Do you want to start with OT? You want to go with uh, UCLA and Michigan? Oh, yeah. So, uh, listen, my wife's divorcing me soon, I'm sure, because what I do now and she's caught on is I, like, volunteer to do stuff around the house (laughs) and I just go downstairs. Like, Gus, I'll put laundry in, right? And just to turn on the TV downstairs while I have, like, every possible cartoon running upstairs. So, it's the noon game and I'm like, I'll do some laundry, hon. I'm down here for, like, 40 minutes. I didn't even start to wash it yet. (laughs) I'm watching Michigan. (laughs) She's like, what game is on? (laughs) I was just checking the score. You literally have have the fabric conditioner in your hand. Uh, oh, like molasses. <laughs> I'm trying to watch this game downstairs. Oh, don't let the kids watch the, uh, you know, then we'll go outside. We'll do some snow, huh? You know, like it's so Clark Griswold. But yes, I will talk to you about Michigan UCLA because, of course, the the people who listen to us here on the screen, the screener, know that I have some love affair with Michigan. Correct. Uh, uh, Gus, UCLA played better than Michigan for almost the entire game. Yeah, it, it kind of didn't make sense, right? Yeah, they played well. They, they did a real nice job. Holiday was tremendous. Uh, 9 to 17 from the field, 2 of 5 from three point range, 27 points. Hit a couple big threes as the shot clock was winding down. Yeah. They were up at the half. They looked like they were going to win. And then all of a sudden, Michigan, who is as streaky as they come, Gus, they can hit threes in bunches and then they can be absolutely horrific. It really is incredible to watch. They ended up going 10 of 29 from three-point range. Mo Wagner, solid, 23 points. Matthews, who you know I love, 20 points. Just so many great things that went on here. And then just some massive, a massive, huge deal. UCLA had the ball, Gus, up three with like 30 seconds left. There's no way they should lose this game. Yeah, you have to you have to lock it up, make your free throws, be be confident with the ball, and that's exactly what didn't happen. And then Michigan, they played great down the stretch, and they went to overtime. And remember, you're a home team, right? In overtime, it's over, right? Yeah, total advantage. Simpson, who played fantastic, jumped out on Aaron Holiday's pass, and he made a layup with like 18 seconds left, and got him within one. They fouled Gorgie Golomon, who we love, Gus. We love we love <laughs> love Gigi. Gigi's. He is underrated athletically. But this is what I'm going to tell you right now. The reason I like Michigan is because I think John Beeline is such an incredible coach. You know what he did, Gus? Gorgie took the through the ball inbound. Why? Because, you know, UCLA offer doesn't want him to get fouled. They throw the ball in. What they do is they left Golemon knowing that UCLA would throw it back to Golemon, and then they destroyed Golemon on the foul, <laughs> on the foul line. Zuzi got it. Golemon goes one of two. 
Eli Brooks came down on a great play designed by Beeline. The old, uh, you know, cook up on the wing, handoff, you follow the ball, handoff, turn the corner. Right. right? He, lo- he, he loves that play. Well, I mean, I mean, if you can have passer then turn into the screener, like, that, of course, that makes sense. And then Eli Brooks, freshman, by the way, Gus, freshman, hits two yeah. big free throws, and then it goes to overtime and they take off. So Michigan, not for the faint of heart. Okay, not at all. Lost at Ohio State, blew it to UCLA. Nice win here for Michigan. 78-69 in overtime. Two things on Michigan. Number one, really impressive Mo Wagner. I mean, of course, love love the big man. And, and again, this was a legit test for him because of Goleman and because of Welch. He was matched up against two other high-level like, athletic big men. Yeah, Welch was very good. Yeah. So really impressed there. And then the other part about Michigan just on the whole, if Beeline can just get comfortable and decide on who's going to run the point for them, I think they have a lot of things figured out. If he's good with like a platoon system – I'm sure that'll work out. But if he's going to go one way or the other uh, with his point guard situation, I think that works out perfectly as well, too. So I think whatever Beeline is comfortable going with, I think that's going to do the Michigan State, uh, the, the Michigan Wolverines wonders. As soon as he settles on that, I think Michigan's going to keep moving forward. And this was like, you couldn't predict this win after that Ohio State loss. Yes. So this is totally a huge win for Michigan coming back off of that terrible second half that they had against uh, Ohio State. And Gus, a little sneaky there. They do have a bench, which is interesting. Poole, Simmons, and Simpson's going to get it. He's got to get those guys going and get them in there. Simpson played very well. He had 15 points this game. Jaron Simmons, who's the transfer from Ohio, he's got to mm-hmm. start playing a little bit more and Poole, the freshman as well. So this, t- again, they were a matchup nightmare. They are who they are. They're keeping it real. They're keeping it 100. Gus, 22 three-point attempts from the starting five. That sounds about right. They're going to let it fly and the ships fall where they may. So yeah, Michigan, fun team to watch. Next place we need to go is uh, we're going to get Back to our home state. We're going to go to Seton Hall and VCU Hall, on paper. Hall this, in. This, hashtag Hall in. Hashtag that, baby. <laughs> I mean, the, the, on paper, this seemed like a viable matchup. And then once you took a peek at this game in the second half, it wasn't viable any longer. Seton Hall wins at 90 to set, uh, 67. Your four horsemen just continue to put up numbers. And uh, I'm trying to think who else played. I think Kale played really well off the bench in this game. So they had numbers all over the place. Angel Delgado comes up with another uh, double-double, of course. Desi puts up another 17. And one of my favorite players, I, I don't know why, I'm, I, I feel like I have a little bit of a love affair, a little crush on Kandeem Carrington. Oh, yeah. I'm just loving the selflessness that he's playing with for this team. Again, just to give a little backstory on on Carrington right here, guys, for the listeners, uh, for people that, you know, are not in New Jersey and are not like, you know, a hashtag haul in or or pirate fans. The guy was a first team all Big East player and averaged 17 points a game last year. They they had him at an off guard. They had him at the wing position. This year, Coach Willard has asked him to man the point guard's duties pretty much full time. I mean, the guy's playing over 30 minutes a game at the point guard position. What does he do? You think he's going to come back? Oh, maybe he'll average 20. Maybe he'll put up bigger numbers. No, in fact, he's put up smaller numbers. He's averaging about 11 points a game, and he's averaging probably over two assists to one turnover, so a solid assist to turnover ratio. 4.1 to 1.9, Gus. You're right on. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you love the selflessness out of Carrington here. But but again, Seton Hall just kind of like pulls away in the second half after a strong first half from VCU. And uh, Tillman gave them all they can handle in the middle. Uh, you know he's going to play well for VCU. But, I mean, Hall in. I, I really like this Pirate team. I love the toughness that they play with. 
Mike, did you see anything with the with the Pirates here on this win on their home court? Yeah, listen, that's a special for for people there, Gus. Those four players have a special bond. Listen, they can do some crazy things this year. They can absolutely make the Final Four. They have that type of team. Nazee had 14 points, which I think was huge. Gave him five guys in, in doubles. You know, it's just so Willard. I, I heard that Willard in the, in the post-game press conference, Gus. I'm sorry. I have to take one shot at Willard, right? They asked him, how did he practice dealing with the VCU press? <laughs> His reaction was, yeah, we put a bunch of things in and none of them really worked this week. So we just kind of went back to what we always did. I mean, it's just not what – it's just not the comment I want to hear. Right, but right. He's got – listen, he recruited these guys. They like him. There's a bond there. They're very hot. They're playing well. I don't think they're getting tripped up at Rutgers. They have Creighton at home, which is going to be a big one at the end of December. Kudos to them. The whole thing with Carrington, last thing, you said it really well, man. This is a guy who won eight points as a freshman, 14 points sophomore, 17 points as a junior. You would think 20 points. He's gone the other way. His three-point percentage is only 22%. 4.1 assists are up and the 12 points are down. But you know what? It's sacrifice. He's unselfless. That's why he was the last one in the $100,000 stump. Gus, Seton Hall, man, playing great. Nothing to say. Just one more tidbit on this game. You talked about the VCU press watching this game. They played totally into Carrington's hands. It's like Carrington was like anticipating. I don't know. He was licking his lips at this VCU press. He couldn't wait to break some ankles and break some people down and break double teams. The press was like non-existent for him. I was super impressed with the way that he handled it. He was almost like a one-man press breaker. He's like, okay, let's just give it to Kadeem and we'll get all get out of the way. We'll be fine. Yeah, they put up 90 points. I think they're fine. One more thing. VCU is going the wrong direction. Mike Rhodes used to coach at, at VCU. was at Rice. He came back. I understand that. But Shaka Smart, Will Wade are a different level. I think this VCU team is going to struggle a little bit. I think they got to find their own identity. I think the rest of the A-10 should be wiping their brow, a la Bill Self, <laughs> won the title against Memphis because I think VCU is going to take a step back for a little bit, but certainly big one for Seton Hall. The talent level isn't where it usually is for yep. VCU. Will it get back there? I'm sure it will. Is Tillman really good? Yeah. Is, is Jenkins really good? Yes, of course. Is Williams okay? Yeah. They're, yeah. Th- those guys are players. Those are legit A-10 basketball players. Will uh, Tillman probably a little step up from that. But I think just the overall talent I don't know, level of the whole entire roster has taken a step down. So I think, of course, the results are going to take a step down. So we look forward to VCU climbing the mountain back back again uh, in the A-10 in a couple more years with Coach Rhodes. I, I got my eyes on this next game, and this was uh, two of our mid-major darlings going head-to-head. We had Florida Gulf Coast and UC Oh, such a big Arlington. game. So under the radar nationally, such a big game, man. These are two Cinderella teams. Huge game. You think like, oh, yeah, of course, like Cinderella teams – Either one of these teams could win a game or multiple games in the tournament this March. They are both that talented. Sweet 16 live. Absolutely. Yeah, without question. Now, the matchup that I had my eyes on here, of course, in this Florida Gulf Coast UT Arlington game was the matchup at the point with Goodwin and and Neal. That matchup was insane. Neal kind of had his way with Goodwin uh, going the, the, the first half. And then in the second half, it was Goodwin that, that, that took it to Neal and, and really put up some big numbers. And, and they were guarding each other and getting in each other's grill like no bi- nobody's business. And Florida Gulf Coast comes up with a huge win. And, I, th- you know, we were talking about this pre-podcast. This might have put them back on the map 
Florida Gulf Coast after a couple of tough losses. This is a kind of the signature win that they needed. I am not jumping off the UT Arlington bandwagon because Neil and Hervey are, are, are absolutely fantastic. I mean, her, every time I watch Hervey, I feel like he gets a little bit better, right? I feel like he just does another thing. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't know he could do that. Oh, they do so much. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm still liking both of these programs. I'm not off the, the Mavs bandwagon by any means after this loss. But I'll tell you what, Florida Gulf Coast, they really, really needed this win to get their season back on track after a couple of down losses. They, they played everybody. They've tried to go out and bolster their Don's Conference schedule. Bad loss to Bowling Green followed by two losses, Gus, a home-and-home to Middle Tennessee. They lost to Middle Tennessee, then they lost at home to Middle Tennessee. Kudos to Middle Tennessee, bad losses for Florida Gulf Coast, and then they got blitzed at home, 92-88, by Florida Atlantic. So they were really struggling, but this team has a lot of talent. I remember you did the preview on them beginning of the year. This was a get-right game. It was a true road game over there at Texas Arlington with Scott Cross's group. Now they get a little break, hopefully. They got Oral Roberts. Right after that, they got Florida International. Those are two winnable games. And then they go to Wichita on December 22nd at Wichita State, which is a huge game for them. Some good non-conference games before they get ready for the Atlantic Sun. These are the powerhouse mid-majors, because These are the teams that are trying to build and bolster their resume just in case they stumble in the conference that they still get into the tournament. And I like what they're doing. But big win for Florida Gulf Coast. Absolutely. Huge win. And you mentioned that Oral Roberts game coming up. You may say like, oh, that's a cupcake. No, Oral Roberts just beat Missouri State. Oh, yeah. One of the okay. one of the favorites in the Valley. So High like, scoring too. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at that game, you're like, oh, that's going to be another win for Florida Gulf Coast. Maybe not. Like that might be another test that they might need to play really well in. So they, you know what they need to do? They need to hold serve until that Wichita State game uh, later on in December, right before the holidays. And then we'll see the. I think we'll get a true feel on Florida Gulf Coast and Dunk City when they match up with Wichita. And speaking of Wichita, did you see the Wichita State and Oklahoma State matchup? Oh, yeah. Oh, I saw the whole thing. Okay, so Shamit is 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 completely shut down the first half, right? Yeah, low sc- low scoring first half. Exploded. Both teams in the in the twenties, right? Yep. He dominates the final minute of the first half. Oklahoma State's best offensive player, Jeffrey Carroll, has the ball, takes a drive. Shamit takes a charge. Carroll picks up his third foul, I think. Doesn't get the basket. And then Shamit comes down and nails a dagger three right before the half expires and then goes bananas for 20-plus in the second half. And Wichita State pulls away. Like, super impressed with your first-team All-American selection, Landry Shamit, Mike Randall. Yeah, he's really Derek Jeter. He has the Derek Jeter it factor, Gus. He does whatever he needs to do for this team to win the game. I came on board last year, and I really was impressed in that Kentucky game. If that game is not – that shot's not blocked at the end, I think that's going in. They may be, be Kentucky. But the, Wichita State, what they've done – Greg Marshall is on a mission. I feel like he's on a little bit of a, uh, you know, stick it till you mission here. He's going out after everybody. They are furious. They lost that Notre Dame game in the Bahamas. They should have won that game. They're yep. so mad. They had the game in control and Notre Dame came all the way back. They played Oklahoma State. They're going to play Oklahoma this week. I think, uh-huh. uh, I mean, that against Trey Young, dear Lord. Yeah, that game is home against Oklahoma. That's going to be a tremendous matchup with Trey Young. They got Florida Gulf Coast we talked about there. Then they start the uh, the conference schedule with the at UConn, the Houston, the whole thing. SMU, of course, at home. They have so many great games coming. They have scheduled hard. Shamit was unbelievable. He does whatever he needs to do for this team to win. They need to put some buckets in the second half, and he did it. 
He had 30 points, five assists. He was 14 to 16 from the line. He does not miss his free throws. Four, uh-huh. four, seven from three point range. Connor Frank Camp loves playing with Landry Shamit. <laughs> Love Connor. 14 points for him. And oh, by the way, we still have not mentioned Marcus McDuffie. Just unbelievable job. A great road win. They have now won at Baylor, at Oklahoma State. Those are two Big 12 teams. Wichita State Gus, a Final Four contender. Without question. And and again, they're playing without their leading scorer or at least second leading scorer from last year in McDuffie. And if you're going to project out like he, he could he's probably going to average like, I don't know, 13, 14 points a game this year. So you minus that from anybody else's lineup. They probably hit the skids, not Wichita State. They just kind of keep it rolling. Uh, we'll get to that game against Oklahoma a little bit later. In another segment in the in in the podcast, but how about Florida Cincinnati? No, don't even get me started. <laughs> I thought you started. Florida comes back with a much needed win on there, and so ridiculous. 66-60 over Cincinnati after taking a couple poor losses. I mean, that really really knocked them down a couple of notches. Mike, what do you have? Is the love affair over with Cincinnati? No, it's not over. We're in a fight. We're in a fight right now. We're in a lovers' okay. quarrel. Hey, Mick Cronin, let me get this through to you. You have a lumbering slow, offensive team that simply tries to take eight-foot jump shots. That I've seen enough of you guys. That's it. Cumberland, who's really Evans, who's really Washington, who's really a passive Gary Clark. I know Gary Clark has all the potential. He's not a step-up 30-point <laughs> guy. I'm done. They're the same guys. I know you love Jennifer. I know the defense that he brings you. Mick, it's 2017, soon to be 2018. You need offense. You're not making the final four without offense. Gus Kane Broom has got to start. He played 28 minutes in this game. He played more than Jennifer. Just start Kane Broom. I'm done. Jennifer is the perfect Tum Tum Nairn. He's the perfect Parker Jackson Cartwright guy, but he's not the score. Cumberland, Evans, Washington, and Clark feed off of Kane Broom getting into the lane. When Kane Broom breaks down the defense or he drives to the basket, Gus on the break, mid-range jumpers open up and then they can crash. But when they're stuck in the half court, it's like having a root canal without Novocaine. They just don't have anybody. They don't have uh, uh who's the guy? Who is it? Kilpatrick. They don't have Kilpatrick they anymore. They don't have Kilpatrick. They don't have Copain. Yeah, they don't so, have – yeah. So right. they're, 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 And then I'll shut up. One more thing. Their margin of error, Gus, is they have to control the game. They have right. to control the pace. They have to come down. They want you to take a bad shot because then they'll make free throws. But against your explosive teams, against your Xavier in Xavier, against your Florida, they're going to be flammable. Chioza. Driving kick because they're helping and recovering, Gus, right? Or they went to a matchup zone in the second half, so they're collapsing. Kick right. out to who? Kulichev. Kick out to who? Jalen Hudson. Kick out right. to who? Kayvon Allen. It's not going to work, Gus. It's not going to beat the top teams. You need a guy who can break down the defense. This diatribe has gone on way too long. I apologize to the <laughs> listeners. Kane Broom has to start. I am done. <laughs> Listen. I totally agree with you and have been talking about this since the preseason. They have that breakdown ability guard in Kane Broom. They have that guy that can penetrate and get into the lane and find the seams and the creases in the defense. He can absorb contact in the lane. He can find the open man when he gets inside. He can knock down a couple of open threes. Here's the reason that he's not starting. Coach Cronin cannot deal with the volatility of his potential turnover. He's got to deal. He's got to deal with it. I agree with you, Gus. You're right. He's got to deal with it because Justin Jennifer in the two biggest games of the year has four points against Xavier and zero points. 
He's got to deal with it because right. you don't have any offense. Washington with an eight-foot jump shot. Cumberland <laughs> with a six-foot jump shot. I, I can't. I, I can't because they're I, good. They really have a skill that other teams don't have, but they're so anemic on offense. And I think this what other what else this speaks to too is how how much they miss uh, Troy Copain. How much, oh my god! How much they valued him. How much they leaned on him. Holy smokes. And, and Gus, I used to rip on Copain that he didn't shoot enough. Right. I mean, gosh, he looks like J.R. Smith compared to these guys. <laughs> I mean, so, and, and enough. I know Gary Clark has been Gary shoot the ball. Let, let, let's let's. I mean, we don't want to go totally Sorry, you know Bearcat heavy here. But I love them. I love. Oh them. no, no, of course. Yeah, I, I I understand the love affair. I understand the lovers' quarrel that you're in right now. I, I get it. We, the, I think the Cronin is sleeping on the couch. <laughs> why are you sleeping on the couch? I don't know. Because this is our podcast. That's why. Okay, fair enough. All right, right. <laughs> Go to Alabama, Arizona. There's offense. Go to an offensive game, please. Okay. <laughs> How great was that game, huh? How great oh, was, was awesome. Alabama and Arizona to watch? Here, oh, basketball look. narcolepsy. Folks, there is basketball past west of the Mississippi. It exists, and you should watch it. Oh, my goodness. And it is so great staying up late. For, I, I, you know what? I have to tell you, I love these late night Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. Like my girls go to bed, carry them up to bed. Good night. Daddy, tell me who wins in the morning. That's what they want to know. <laughs> so, it's beautiful. so guess what I told them in the morning? Arizona had a big comeback. They played well in the second half and outclassed a really live Alabama team at home. Really impressed. Arizona 88, Alabama 82. Here, here are my two takeaways from this right away. Those two freshmen, those two freshmen are studs. Studs. Se- Sexton is awesome. Capital A- stu. Aiton is awesome. Sexton has that like extra burst when he turns the corner that nobody can handle. And and then Aiton is so polished offensively, yet he still has this like raw power and raw athleticism around the basket in those first jump, second jump moments. I'm so impressed seeing both of those guys play against each other and play like a full entire uh, 40 minutes or 40-ish minutes. Both of those guys are studs. Two takeaways here. First of all, John Petty's fun to watch. I mean, he, he does sure. not care. <laughs> Gus, he will fire it up and it's it's fun to watch. Colin Sexton is incredible. He's going to be an All-American team some way. I, you know, he was just, he was out, so we weren't sure. I think if he was like healthy, we would have put him All-American team. He had 30, 15 to 16 from the free throw line, by the way. He gets the line. He makes his free throws. DeAndre Ayton is, could be, Gus, the number one pick in the draft. He really could be. He is that good. He, oh, sure. He changes the game. 29 points, 18 rebounds. And my other takeaway, Raleigh Hawkins makes a difference. Now, listen, Gus, he only had seven points, 22 yeah. minutes, but he makes a huge, huge difference for this team. And Randolph's coming around for them as well. It's a little slow out of the gate, but Randolph's coming around. Kind of kind of impressed with Randolph, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, freshman from Yonkers, but 13 points in this game. Hawkins is so important. He, ma- he makes the whole thing go. Petty is the perfect sidecar for Sexton, without oh, question. Oh, Robin, yes. It's- it, it is it is like a perfect matchup, Pull. and I'll tell you what Ingram. <laughs> he's he, by the way he's open right now. Even it's not wherever he is, he's open. Off balance, he doesn't want balance. Who wants balance? He's like the he's like Miyagi was trying to teach him on the Karate Kid to be like, get out of here, man. He just jump in the water and start firing. He doesn't balance. <laughs> that 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 fence would not be painted the, the same way. Nothing. <laughs> Ingram had a little bit of an off game. They were hoping, I think, a little bit more from him. And then once they get Key back, I think Alabama is going to be live because they're going to have four difference makers on offense. The question is, are they going to get enough from Hall? I was pretty impressed with Hall. I was too. I, felt, I like. Hall. I felt like he held his own against Aiton. Of course, he's outclassed. Of course, Aiton has you know uh, you know a uh, much 
I don't know, a much more voluminous skill set than he does. But at the same time, I was impressed with him. If he can just give him that every night, this uh, this Alabama team is going to be okay moving forward and a force in the SEC. But, yeah, I'm with you on Randolph. Uh, and then we didn't even mention Trier. Yeah, Trier just put up 25. That's okay. He's a, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, we didn't even get to him. Like, no, he's awesome. He's all, and, and going back to Hall, Gus, he, doubled, he went from six points per game to 12 points per game. He took his rebounds from five to eight. He's really improved for them. I, I agree. Key comes back. Alabama, boy, the SEC's good, huh? Texas yes, A&M, yeah. Kentucky, Florida, Alabama. They got some good teams there. Don't forget about Tennessee. Yeah, of course. I'm sorry. Right. Yes, right. yes. Rick Barnes, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Coach Barnes doing his thing. Listen, we need to get to the two like largest upsets, right? Of the, of we, the do, we certainly do. <laughs> can, I, can I just start the next one with we are We are BC, BC my, my alma mater. What an incredible – what an incredible win by a program that has not done well since coming to the ACC, but a massive win for BC over Duke. Gus, no one saw this coming. Deontay Hawkins is out for the year. The Illinois State transfer who had played so well for them, he's out for the year. They lost him. You never thought BC would have had a chance in this game. But and what? Just two, sec- two yeah. seconds on Hawkins. Hawkins is playing awesome. He was almost averaging a double-double. Playing awesome. But the yeah. but Bowman, Chapman, and Robinson in the backcourt were outstanding, especially Kai Bowman. 30 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists against Duke. They played great. Jim Christian, fantastic win. Nice job there. Late in the game, Gus, they were up, uh, they were down uh, three, I think it was, out of a timeout. I think it was the under four timeout. He switched to his zone for the first time all game. So a couple nice coaching moves by Christian. Duke has not been playing great. So this, sir, listen, they've won games, but they've been trailing. They had to have massive comebacks. Bagley had 15 and 10. Grayson Allen, only 5 of 20 from the field, 1 of 9 from three-point range. He does have these games where he's just not on. Gary Trent is playing better every single game. That was my one takeaway for Duke. He had 25 points, 6 of 13 from three-point range. He kept the game, really played very, very well. This was a great win for Boston College. There's no way around it. And gosh, if Hawkins didn't get hurt, we'd be talking about BC as a tournament team, Gus. I, I That sounds crazy, but I think it might be true. <laughs> I know. Which is nuts. I mean, if you if you throw out a lineup with Bowman, Chapman, Robinson, Hawkins, yeah. and then how about like, I don't know, throw Mitchell in there? That that's okay. That that's a decent team. That could do some damage. But yeah, I think without Hawkins, I think you're gonna be searching for wins uh, from here on out. Here here's my quick takeaway from this. Kudos to BC. Way to get a big win. You love to see programs like this get big wins over huge teams. Very happy for the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. And way and way uh, to get a big crowd, Gus, because you know – this is a true story peeling back to curtain here. I got written up in the Heights, which is the Boston College <laughs> newspaper, for being too loud from the upper deck. This is a program that used to put the students in the upper deck. They were not right. behind the basket seats. Now they put them behind the basket at least. It was a good student crowd. They stormed the court. We always rip on bad court stormings. No, folks. Boston College against Duke, number one team in the country at home. Who, by the way, Gus, they're 3-0 and against the number one teams in the country over the last makes, seven years. Makes absolutely no, no sense. sense. But no. that is appropriate store, uh, court storming. Great job by BC. Quick takeaway on Duke here. Obviously, if you're that reliant on the three and you don't hit your threes, that's what happens if you shoot 25% or about that from three. Also, if you're going to play freshman that many minutes, literally 80% of the minutes in your game, that's what's going to happen as well. Sometimes they are not going to get it, and sometimes that rowdy road 
crowd is going to get in their head and they're going to have a couple of turnovers where they don't normally have turnovers. Last thing, if Allen is going to go your leader, your senior, the guy that you're counting on to be your rock is going to go five for 20. I don't think you're going to win when he goes five for 20 on the road. You may pull that win off at home, but on the road, that's not going to work. So I think we saw a little chink in the armor for uh, the Duke Blue Devils. Yes, their freshmen are not absolutely bulletproof. And yeah, when you're that reliant on the three and you don't hit your threes uh, on the road, that might be an issue. And then also, I'm just going to throw this out there. They are about 60th rated in Ken Palm with defensive They're not efficiency. playing defense. They're not playing defense. Even Coach said, if, you're right. They're not playing defense. If BC is going to put up 89 on you, that's a problem too. So I think that's something that needs to get examined. I know they're playing a little bit more zone. Maybe they need to go back to the man, the man. I'm not sure what the answer is there. I'm sure Coach K and the coaching staff will get it figured out. But that defensive efficiency number really speaks to the trouble that Duke might have moving forward. Uh, that might be their limiter all season. Yeah, and, the, and they're not deep. I mean, we go back to the depth. We talked about this last time. I had you talk me off the lead. Am I overrating depth? I think it does matter, which is why I go back to Michigan State. Gus, if Michigan State play Duke tomorrow, they blow them out. I, I believe it. They blow them out. That conversation. They, they, yeah. they, Duke doesn't have depth. If you don't have depth, you can't be as aggressive on defense. And I think that that's the issue. Bagley's got to stay on the floor, and he's done a great job of it. Allen can't get in foul trouble. They don't rely on a lot of people off the bench yet. So that's the issue, man. But you know what? It's a great win. I mean, Duke is still Duke and, and, and amazing. I'm shocked. Flabbergasted. So you, you mentioned the, de- the depth conversation. It's funny. I was going to bring that up with our next game that we were going to talk about, and we'll move to Sunday. Oh, and baby. We, we have to talk about the Arizona Can- Arizona State-Kansas game, right? Oh, unbelievable. And Gus has taken his daughter out, a bunch of kids out for, for her birthday. and uh, Co- Coco, great movie if you have kids and, and, and you're looking for a, a great uh, holiday movie. Coco is phenomenal. The artwork in it is absolutely fantastic. The the story has a great twist in it, and uh, you will not be disappointed, and it's very family-oriented. Again, that's my little pitch if you have kids out there and you're looking for a great movie. Go see Coco. It was awesome. Gus and I watch a million games. People always come at us on Twitter. By the way, folks, if you want to follow us on Twitter, at SDS Podcast, Gus at currents 12 myself at Randall Rant. And they always say, how are you guys watching all these games? We've had reviews on iTunes as well. How are you watching these games? By watching these games, folks, we get a feeling. I texted Gus when Middle Tennessee State was playing Michigan State in the 215 game a few years ago. And yep. I said, I say, get to a TV. This is going to be a problem. You just have a feeling. Gus, I watched this game. My wife had to go out, do some shopping. I'm here with the kids. Um, they're like, oh, you want to go outside in the snow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put on your snow suit 30 minutes later. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> And I'm watching it. But was the laundry done at that point? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I, uh, no, laundry, we're still, still in this. Still laundry in this was not finished. Okay. Very no, good, we very left good. in there so long. I had to do like a rinse cycle, you know, because you leave it in there so long, you don't take it out. Okay. So <laughs> I'm like, extra yeah. spin cycle, right? I'm right, telling right. my seven year old daughter to help my three year old son put on snowshoes. That's a, you know, snow boots. That took about five hours. Talk but about comedy show. <laughs> 15 2, Gus. Kansas is up. I didn't blink an eye because I just had a feeling Arizona, they got out the fog. Everybody's fired up. Hey, we lost our last game. Let's go. We're going to step up. We're going to move forward. You know, we lost to Washington at home. Folks, not anymore. Arizona State didn't care. Gus, they took it right to him. They shot 14 to 28 from three-point range. Holder and Evans, unbelievable. 51 points, 6 of 16 from three-point range, 16 of 30 from the field, 12 assists, just dominated. And Gus, you talked about it with the depth. Kansas doesn't have depth. They're playing nope. Lightfoot and Garrett off yep. the bench. They had one point. 
They had three field goal attempts, and they can't stop and the run. They three need- personal fouls and three turnovers you, between the two. Absolutely of them. disaster. Grams played well. Mihailuk not so much. Three of eleven. LeGerald Vick was the best player for Kansas. Twenty five points. I think he's playing like forward power forward. He's playing. Dude, he's playing a little small ball four, yeah. Azabuki was okay, but you have a big gust that can't be aggressive. It's not like having a real big, right? Like that really takes a lot of their game. They need Preston back in the in the biggest way. Sure do. Malik Newman was just okay. Gus, Kansas is in trouble. And I'll tell you right now, I think they could lose the Big 12 because this was a bad loss and a great win for Arizona State. They've got to be top five tomorrow with the polls. Got to be. I, I think we can say firmly they're in the top 10. Uh, I'm sure we will find them in the top five of a few polls. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where they are in our poll. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming out Monday or Tuesday, I, th- I think Randall we have them in that area. You can find on RandallRant.com. We'll have them out tomorrow. Gus, is it? This is not crazy. Kansas may not lose another game at home the rest of the year. That is not crazy. And Arizona State has now dropped a hundred on Xavier and won at Fog Allen. How are they not top five? For real, they might have one of the best resumes in the country. If you're going to go with like the let's look at their resume in March type. Conversation. St. John's have, isn't a bad win. That's a that's a solid win too. Eighty two seventy. That's a great win. Yeah, that's a fire. Uh, San, San Diego State, excellent win. Yeah, yeah. Like they they have a great resume now. The fact that they have backed up two wins against like you know top fifteen ish teams, Kansas and, and Xavier. Yep. And they've dropped numbers on them. Not just like oh we squeaked out this win. No, they put up ninety five and over a hundred. They scoring everybody. Teams. Oh yeah. And and you're right with uh you know Evans and Holder you 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 know you read out all their offensive uh, uh, efficiency numbers. Guess what? The two of them only had three turnovers combined. Is that insane? That's crazy. Uh, uh, think crazy. of the think of the usage those guys have. I mean, I'm sure that they played. I don't know what 38 of the 40 minutes between the two of them or something of that nature. Yep. And and three turnovers against you know a a, a pretty stout backcourt that's like. You know, has like NBA-ish players with Newman, uh, Graham, and, and Vic, and you know, Mihailuk, uh, perhaps. Like, it's not like they're going. It's not like those guys are playing against. I don't know, like, you know, guys from the YMCA. Like, they were playing against legit all Big Twelve guards, and they only had three turnovers on the road in the fog. Totally impressive. Arizona State has a head in the right direction. I know. I said earlier that like I was down on the Pac-12. And I think I mentioned except for Arizona State, and I'm sticking with that. This team is fun to watch. Gasaway. We'll have John Gasaway of ESPN on the podcast. We had him last year. He'll definitely come back on. He's a Jersey guy, by the way. He had two great tweets today, Gus. First one says, KU streak of zero consecutive Pac-12 titles look safe because they lost back-to-back. <laughs> and then the second one, Trey Holder, Shannon Evans, Remy Martin, Gus, at KU, 72 points, 14 assists, seven steals, four turnovers. That's all you need to say. All right, guys, we got a new segment we're going to try out here. New segment for the folks. Hopefully, the listeners like it. It's called I Believe. I Believe, Gus. So, I believe, and we're going to say three things that we believe are going to happen. So, we can call this the soothsayer part of the podcast. But first, the I Believe intro drop. Very, very good, all you soccer fans out there. I believe that we will win. Gus, are you ready to do some, some I believe? Do you have three? Uh, I have three. I was, uh, you know, when, when you introed this segment, I was thinking, like, do I believe in the tooth fairy? 
Do, do I believe in, these, in fairy dust? Gus, these damn elves on the shelf. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've been moving them since Thanksgiving. Oh, I, I got to tell you, I got to move mine. So how about this? I, I mean, in case you're listening to this in the car, uh, fast forward through this part. If your kids are in the car, ready? Hit the fast forward for 15 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, I had to write the note back to the elf on the shelf, right? Yeah. And then I only write in print usually at home, so I use script yep, good. on the note, so it was a little bit hidden. It was a little bit uh, encrypted. So, okay, you can start listening again. Thank you, listeners, um, in, case you're, in case your kids are in the car yeah. while you're listening. Um, yes, but I believe uh, – Mike, what things do you believe are going to happen in the season moving forward? I believe that by the time the year ends – Arizona will be a top five ranked team in the country. And Gus, I love Arizona State. So I'm not going to who's going to win the conference or whatever. I'm telling you that by season's end, everyone regresses to the mean. This will be positive regression. They went through their tough run, right? They're out there in the Bahamas. They lose to North Carolina State. They lose to SMU. They lose to Purdue. Anytime you have one of these tournaments, Gus, usually it's one and done, but they're stuck out there. They're not playing well. Rolly Alkins isn't there. It was like the Bermuda Triangle that they couldn't get out of. But since they've come back, they've righted the ship. DeAndre Ayton is stepping up his game. He is playing Gus as a first-team All-American player. All right, he, Sean Miller was quoted as saying, quote, he has a hard time believing there's a better player in the country than DeAndre Ayton. He is not a stiff inside. He is averaging 20.5 points per game, 11.9 rebounds. He gets an assist and a half. He gets 1.3 blocks. He doesn't get in foul trouble. He shoots 70% from the free throw line. And oh, by the way, Alonzo Trier is one of the most explosive wing players in the country. With Raleigh Alkins back, Brandon Randolph's getting better. Parker Jackson Cartwright is a Tremendous co- – he's a very typical college basketball, solid player, fifth starter yes. guy. Dylan Smith's been shooting threes. I believe in Sean Miller. I believe in Arizona. I think they will right the ship. I believe Arizona will end the season as a top five team in the country. Here's my two cents on that. If nothing else, they have learned how to win these close games the past few outings. They win these close games in multiple fashions, too. They, they won a high-scoring game against UNLV. They won a lower-scoring game against Texas A&M. So if nothing else, they're finding ways to win these games in close fashions down the stretch, whereas in the Bahamas, they, they weren't winning games in any fashion. So I feel like if nothing else, having Roy Hawkins back, yes, is a huge get, but also – they can bank a couple of these games that they've they've won uh, in close fashion the past couple of matchups. So you ready for ready really quick? You ready for this stretch? This is what's going to happen. I'm calling it right now. First of all, they have Arizona State at home on Saturday, December 30th. I think that's a tremendous game. But this is what this is the stretch I'm talking about. It's going to be February. Snowstorms here on the East Coast. Don't forget this stretch at Washington, home UCLA, home USC, at Arizona State. That's the biggest stretch they have right there, Gus. Ooh, They're going to be on yeah. fire in that stretch, and people are going to go, wow, Arizona's one of the hottest teams in the country. You heard it here first, folks. I, I can totally see that happen. I believe I can see that happening. Okay, Mike Randall, I believe, speaking about West, I believe the Mountain West will get two or three oh, teams ooh. into the tournament Look and not you. be a one-bid conference. Woo. Woo. I think we know. I think we know that we, uh, Nevada is going to get in. Uh, I, 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 I still feel, even with the close loss to Texas Tech, the, I mean, they, they made that game against TCU very live out in Los Angeles. Um, I still feel with those two losses to two ranked teams, I think they are going to be 
I, I think they're still going to get an at-large bid, which then opens the door for UNLV or Boise State if they can win Very the good. conference Very good. tournament. Yep. So I think both of those teams, UNLV and Boise State, are capable. And perhaps if all three of them continue to play well and they can play like the knockoff game in conference, I don't know, maybe we can be talking about all three of them getting in. But I think the Mountain West will no longer be a one-bid league. I think they will get two or three teams in. I believe the Mountain West is back. That's a big one. That's a big one there. I'll tell you, because they got to have good non-conference wins, right? I could see it. I can see Nevada getting in if they don't win the Mountain West. I think it's a great call. And then one of these teams could win the Mountain West, so they're automatically in. The third one's going to be tricky. I'll tell you, important game for Boise State, Gus. December 18th, that's next Monday, a week from tomorrow. At SMU. That's huge. Game. Game. You got to win those non conference games because you have to justify. Now, Boise State won at Oregon, which is a solid win. Troy Brown mm-hmm. uh, did not play that game, but that's still a solid win. They also they lost to Iowa State. That's a real important game for Boise State. UNLV, of course, had that really huge chance against Arizona, but I like it. I, I see where you're going with that. UNLV did get a nice win over Illinois. Illinois nice so, win. so yeah. they're, 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 I think they're, they're, they're building their case, is what I'm saying. I believe in the Mountain West. Excellent. Very good. I believe, Gus, I believe that Middle Tennessee State is not only going to make the tournament, but they're going to win two games. When we get Kermit Davis on, he's such a, a nice guy. I doubt I can ask him this question, but I want to say, so are you pretty much Florida Gulf Coast's daddy? <laughs> Kermit is like those, those, those two wins, I think, speaks for that question. Yeah, and Kermit is, is a classy guy, so he's not going to say anything. There. No, 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 he would not. Uh, but yeah, you have, to, you have to tailor your questions, folks, to who you have on the podcast. You can't go too much over the top. Conference USA, Gus, Middle Tennessee State. They lost to Belmont. They got tripped up there, but they've beaten Florida Gulf Coast twice, which is going to look better and better as it goes on. They have Auburn at home on December 16th. That's coming up this week. That's mm-hmm. a huge game. Then they have Princeton before they get into the Conference USA schedule. So this is a team that could very well be 9-1 and with wins over Princeton, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and two wins over Florida Gulf Coast. In case you have not seen them, Giddy Potts, we, uh, screen the screener favorite here, Giddy Potts, a tremendous shooter from three-point range. He's only shooting 32%, Gus, but he will regress, go back up to his 40 45% that he normally does. And Nick King, the journeyman transfer who had the lung infection last year, transferred over to Middle Tennessee State from Alabama for his last year of eligibility, has been dominant. He is going to be falling, absolutely absolutely balling. The Conference USA Player of the Year, he's lefty, he's 6'7", he does it all, 24 points, 6 rebounds, Two and a half assists, 37% from threes, try 20 of them, 85% from the free throw line. Middle Tennessee State, Gus, I believe, will win two games. Sweet 16 for Kermit Davis and the crew. Wow. Blue Raiders. That would be three years in a row where the Middle Tennessee Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders win a game in the tournament. That would be really impressive. They win two. Dang. That. I believe in your Middle Tennessee proclamation, Mike Randall. I believe. You know what I believe as well? I believe we are even going to see more upsets. I, love I think we're going to see more upsets. Uh, upset city, baby. I love it, Dickie V. We we have we have seen an unbelievable amount of upset, an uncanny amount of upsets thus far in the season, with uh, top ten ish teams losing to like I don't know like top hundred ish teams. I'm going to give you three to keep an eye on. Three games to keep an eye on where we might have another upset that we could be celebrating and, and doubting the the top ranked team again and, and saying their weaknesses and so on and so on. How about Temple? And Villanova. How about a Big Five upset? How about wow. that? Wow. That would not surprise me. Temple does have excellent talent on the perimeter. 
I, I love Quentin Rose. I think he's uh, could ma- actually match up a little bit with uh, Bridges. I'm not saying that he's as good as him or or as talented, but I think it's a decent matchup. So I'm going to say keep an eye on that one. How about Davidson over UVA? How about that as a clash in style? Davidson Love it. being r- really efficient on offense, and you know U- UVA's Ken Palm efficiency numbers on defense as the number one Ken Palm ranked. We team. were called we were called nerds on Twitter, Gus, weren't we? Recently, it was complimentary, but they called us nerds. I think for liking Virginia. <laughs> well, I- I'll tell you now. Uh, right now, we we may go against that nerd tag because <laughs> I say watch out for Davidson beating UVA. And how about one more? How about Oklahoma over Wichita State? Love it. Yo. How about Trey Young going off? Uh, he could. He could do it himself. And Wichita State's great, but he could do it himself. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are three games to keep an eye on for top 15-ish. You know, UVA maybe in the top 15-ish. But Nova and Wichita State are top 10 teams. Those are three teams to keep uh, – three games to keep an eye on. And I believe we will see even more upsets – the next couple of weeks. I'm going to bring it home here, Gus. I believe you're ready for this one. <laughs> I believe Kansas is not winning the Big 12. Oh, yeah, I think man. it's ending. I think it's ending. They don't have depth. The Billy Preston thing, Gus, is very odd, right? It's- he crashed a car by himself on campus. Gus, let's connect those dots here. There's never been a situation like this ever before in our sport. Gus, is it alcohol? Is it – you don't just crash. I mean like, Gus, how fast can you go on campus, right? (laughs) I mean like it's a very odd thing. I think it's a – here's just my – I think it would be a combination of any one of these things. Number one, sure, could alcohol be involved? Yeah, sure. It always could be. How about he wasn't driving his car? Right, right. Exactly. How about that? How about they? How about he he hit the the lamppost? Let me see your 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 license and registration, sir. And and none of it matches up. I, I can see that being a situation. And like, why are you driving this car? Yeah. And then and you know then all the things moving forward. Like, how did you get this car? So on and so on. And then we're dealing with like FBI foggish yeah, situation. Yeah. Right. The the FBI thing is there. The, he and, yeah. and Self has had players like Xavier Henry had something like this going on. Right or even but, even just remember Josh Jackson. Yeah, this it was always out. right. Something's going on there, but they have no right. bench depth whatsoever. I know they may get some guys back, but they have to assimilate. Gus, let me tell you about the Big Twelve. You, you're gonna probably ask me who's gonna win. It so, could, yeah, okay. So who? Uh, all right. So if they're not gonna win, who is? It absolutely could be. I'll tell you who it could be. You ready? It could be West Virginia, who's nine Absol- and one. Absolutely. All right, they have a fantastic coach. It's always tough to play there. They're not gonna have the depth they had last year. Remember, they almost they almost beat Kansas last year. Josh Jackson took that game over. Okay, so the West Virginia could beat them. TCU certainly could beat them. They've been playing great with Jamie Dixon. I'm all in on TCU. Big win after big win. And I just think they're not going to be able to dominate the road games as they normally have. At Baylor is going to be very, very tough. I understand they don't have Terry Maston, but he will be back. And they've had some very impressive things. Omad has been playing very well for them, Gus. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Again, again, just another example of Baylor like – Keeping their bigs yeah. like in the system and like having them improve year after year. That's just another example. Yeah, and I mean the zone. You know, Mike Hopkins just came in with the Washington zone. You tell me that Baylor can't do that, so they're going right. to have some tricky games on the road. Texas Tech is not going to be easy down there. Somehow, some team is going to navigate those games, and I don't think it's going to be Kansas. I'm saying I believe Gus Kansas will not win the Big Twelve this year. I can't believe. I'm wow, I can't believe you're saying that either. And I, I mean, I think that's one of those one of those deals where you you don't pick against them. Until like they lose, right? But you're picking against them before they lose. I, I, I mean, I know this is very on the heels of back-to-back losses at home. But at the same point, 
I think we have, I mean, they have shown their deficiencies and their weaknesses. So maybe other teams are going to key into that and really take advantage of that, even with Cunliffe coming back to help them out. And maybe with the, I don't know, perhaps return of Billy Preston. We don't know. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the question that we had on the uh, previous podcast, what happens with depth? I think now here's where depth is, is a huge issue for them. Yeah, for sure. Huge. Yep. Okay. My, the last, I believe, Go ahead. and this is, this is right in my wheelhouse. I believe firmly Gonzaga will return to the elite eight again. That will make three out of the last four years. The Zags have made the Elite Eight. I think Gonzaga makes the Elite Eight again this year in this year's tournament. I'm totally with you. I love them. I love this one. I'm on board. I'm all on the Gonzaga train this year. Gus, I was trying to shoot down the tires and slash the tires last year on this car. I'm all yeah, over yes, you were. I'm in, man. I'm with you. Great call. So they have the backcourt. They have Melson and they have Perkins. Both of those guys are great shooters. Perkins' ball handling has improved, and his decision-making in crucial situations has improved as well. They have Nor- uh, Norvell and Kispert to play that wing position, that three position. They have uh, a matchup that they can put on anybody in Jonathan Williams. I know that he did not show out against Bridges, against Villanova. Uh, he got in foul trouble and only played 18 minutes. That was kind of disappointing. didn't have a rebound, by the way. Jonathan Williams didn't yeah. have a rebound. I can't believe that. I think that along with the backcourt and the gifted wings that they have, they have the required bigs. They have Tilly. They have Jakob Larson. They can throw in Hachimura every now and then. They can put Williams into, to, into that rotation. So they have the required bigs. Give me Gonzaga back to the Elite Eight. I believe the Zags will return to the Elite Eight this year in the tournament. I'm with you, Gus. They played Washington today. This is a Washington team. This is an in-state rival. The game was on the road in Washington. I'm sure Washington was real fired up for this. They just beat Kansas, right, in Kansas. They come home and they dismantle them, 97-70. I was going to say, how many did they drop on them? Uh, 97-70. They dominated the game from start to finish. It was never close. Jonathan Williams, 23-12. and 12. Tilly had 11. Melson had 11. Perkins had 14. Norvell had 21, and he was only two of 11 from three-point range. Hashimura had 12. You talk about Larson, who's going to develop into a nice player. It's a great call. Totally support it. Well done, man. So, so to review the I believes, Mike Randall believes Arizona will return to the top five. Oh, yeah. I believe the Mountain West will get two or three teams into the tournament. Mike also believes Middle Tennessee State is going straight to the Sweet 16. Oh, yeah. I believe we will have even more upsets, and we gave you some upsets to look for. Perhaps Temple Villanova, Davidson UVA, Oklahoma, Wichita State. Mike Randall, with a sly smile on his face, said that Kansas will not win the Big 12 this year. Wipe my brow, big guy. There you go. How do you like that one? And I believe that Gonzaga will return to the Elite Eight. I kind of like the I Believe segment. It's tremendous, Gus. You know, the thing is, we didn't get to half of the stuff on the show sheet here. We got to do our previews. No, Gus, yeah. this could be a four-hour show if we wanted to be. It really could. We got to break it up for the people. We, we got to give them a preview, right. I think, right? And, that, and that's it. Somehow it's over. It's so Parting is such sweet sorrow. All right, Gus. So, gosh, it was such an intense weekend. Sort of a light slate here leading up to Wednesday. We'll be back on Wednesday night for your folks posting on Thursday. 
But we got some games. First one I want to talk about on Monday is Drake is coming to Minnesota. Now, that's not exciting, folks, except for the fact that Minnesota seems to be in a free fall. They've lost three of their last four. They lost at home to Miami, 86-81. Then they beat Rutgers by 22 comfortably. Then they lost at Nebraska in a game that really wasn't that close. And they just got blitzed, Gus, by Arkansas, 95-79. So uh, Minnesota's got to right the ship. They got Drake. They got your old Roberts team, Florida Atlantic, Harvard, Illinois. What do you think, Minnesota? That Harvard game might be a little bit tricky. I bet that's lower scoring than you think. Take the under on that one particularly. But yeah, I think that Minnesota, if they're going to be back in the conversation as one of these top three Big Ten teams, I think it's got to start with a win. I think it's got to start with a, a resounding win, like you know something like 83 to 60. That's what it needs to start with. Yeah, another one that we're keeping our eye on because we're rooting for them in the WAC. Grand Canyon, Gus, who's six and two. They're going to play this week. They got a home game. They got to win as many of these games as possible because they're going to want to try to get that automatic bid. They got North Carolina Central. The Eagles coming in. Grand Canyon going to keep it rolling for Dan Marley. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think whenever you have, you, you mentioned this before on a previous podcast, whenever you have these home games, they're must wins and the home yeah. team definitely has an advantage here because the road team is definitely out of their element and out of their, uh, out of their normal routine. I think Grand Canyon is going to be a factor in the WAC. And I think if they're going to continue to be a factor in the WAC, they got to just kind of like bank a couple wins here. So I'm going to say put this one in the bank for Grand Canyon and keep it rolling. Sporadic podcast member uh, Dr. Tony uh, will be excited on Tuesday when his Columbia Lions, he's a Columbia grad, he's an ER doctor, folks. We do actually have intelligent friends. Travel to Boston College at 7 o'clock. I just want to throw that out there. I know we get too deep into that, but I, I would the 1-9 and nine Columbia Lions coming in, I, I would think that Boston College should be able to handle them after beating Duke. Okay. Do, we, do we call this a trap game? Uh, I, I, you know, I don't look ahead, look behind. Who knows? Princeton hosts Monmouth out here in New Jersey for people. Uh, that that's of course, is an interesting game. Yale goes to Iona. Timmy Clue's up there in Iona doing a nice job. He's going to have to try to get some of these wins non-conference to get ready for, I think, what is his third consecutive trip, Iona, to the NCAA tournament for them. Oh, 9 o'clock on Tuesday, Gus. This may be the best game of the slate here. Michigan heading down to Austin, Texas to play Mo Bamba in Texas. I mean, I guess you like Texas in this game, right? But I mean, who I, knows? I, I absolutely love Texas in this game. <laughs> I think line. that Mo Bamba is going to, I mean, as much as I love Mo Wagner, I think that it's just going to, like, I, I think it's going to be a complete mismatch. And there's just foul trouble waiting to happen. I can see like this being a Jacques Landell situation where where Wagner has like you know two fouls and it, three minutes in, and then uh, you know Andrew Jones and, and Roche Jr. go for a couple of dunks, and then uh, boom, it's a twenty point game. Gus, I can totally see that happening with Texas here. Gus Hackman Landell twenty and ten and a big one over Denver. If you care about that, uh, but didn't he put up thirty seven? Yeah, he's, over, he's over in the, the short crazy in the short corner tomorrow. <laughs> How much does that pain you? <laughs> he's in there on a scale of one. One to ten. Ten being totally shocked. One being not shocked at all. You wake up and Michigan wins this game. Oh wow! Um, eight. Uh, yeah, I'm at a, I'm at an eight point seven. There is. I mean, I mean, you know where I stand with Michigan, and especially against a more athletic team like Texas. Are you kidding me? Uh, that should be a great one. On Wednesday, we'll be taping when some of this stuff is going on. Villanova goes to Temple. You mentioned this game could uh, be frisky. No, careful, careful. I'm just saying, you know, here, here's here's the thing that we need to pay attention to here. And and this has happened a couple times this season already, and it happened to Duke. And it, it, whenever a team gets ranked for the first time 
that season or the first time in forever. Uh, we can take Arizona State out of this conversation. But like, just take a look at Nevada. Nevada racks up a couple losses after getting ranked. Take a look at Texas Tech. They took a loss after getting ranked right away. We also have to pay attention to when a team absorbs that number one ranking, which it looks like like Villanova will or Michigan yeah. State will. Yep. Right. So Villanova very well might have a number one next to their name they for this. Those voters got so many guts they put Arizona State there. But that's just me. Go ahead. Yeah, so they might have a number one next to their game, next to their name for this game against Temple, and sometimes that number one creates this re- this odd pressure. I'm just saying, careful, don't take this game lightly, and I bet this game is a two possession game with five minutes to go. And the only other game we'll talk about, and then we'll be back on Wednesday, folks. Gus, this goes back to your I believe comment. Grand Canyon's going to Boise State on Wednesday. Now, game. gigantic. Game. If Grand Canyon wins this game, that's a huge one. But this is a game Boise State has got to take care of business. If they want to have that third team in, which I'm leaning towards, if Boise State can somehow pull out that road game at SMU, they would be the third team. I don't know if you yep. is going to have enough non-conference wins, but this is a game they have to have against a tricky Grand Canyon team, no? Absolutely. This is the one of the games I was kind of looking at when I was saying like, oh, what are we going to do for the I Believe segment? And I, I started looking at both of their, you know, both of the upcoming schedules for UNLV and for Boise. And this is one of the games I had circled. This is this would be a very high quality win. It would be a quality win against a leading contender in another conference. This is one of those wins that I thought that a Boise State could garner and then pile on to that Oregon win and maybe put in into the pot with that SMU win, and then boom, they're kind of looking good. Their resume seems pretty decent if they can get maybe win a game when Nevada comes in or beat UNLV once. Like, that that, that makes sense to me. So this game is huge for Boise State's at-large situation, but also this could help put the whack on the map and give them a little credibility moving forward if Grand Canyon can take this win out. One more I want to mention here. Western Kentucky on Wednesday is going to go to Wisconsin. Now, here's the reason this is important. Western Kentucky's in Conference USA. Probably the one of the biggest, one of the biggest under the radar teams, Gus. Western Kentucky has a close loss to Villanova, a win over Purdue, a win over SMU, and now a chance to win on a true road game at Wisconsin. I'm just saying that's one where if Western Kentucky doesn't win the conference tournament, they could get in. Those are some pretty big wins, man. Villanova close loss, Purdue, SMU, at Wisconsin, this is a big game for them. Wisconsin's not going anywhere this year, but Western Kentucky could really solidify a very, very good non-conference schedule uh, resume with a win here. Listen, this just plays right into the situation that you were talking about with Middle Tennessee State, right? Like this this conference isn't going anywhere. They're, they're, they're a bear to deal with. And even though, you know, we kind of made fun of the Mitchell Robertson situation, there's still talent on this Western Kentucky team. And I'm telling you right now, this line, when it comes out, it's worth paying attention to. I know that Wisconsin is still like a a metrics darling and will probably still get some favorable lines moving forward until like the losses continue to rack up. But I'm telling you, this line is something interesting to pay attention to. I bet it's a little bit closer than you think it will be. Absolutely. And folks, if you like what you hear, please go to iTunes, screen the screen of College Basketball Podcast. We love five-star review and a comment, if you will. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn Radio. We gave you the Twitter handles before at SDS Podcast, myself at Randall Rant, Gus at Currents 12 And please visit RandallRant.com. I'll have my short corner up. We'll tweet it out tomorrow. We do the rankings. Gus gives you nice in-depth stuff on the rankings there. All this great stuff. College basketball season. We love it, and we appreciate you listening. Gratulatia. Cheers. Salancha, folks out there. Thank you so much for carving out some time for the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Cheers. Mike Randall, Bill Self, something's got to give. <laughs>